ITE Soccer Women's World Cup podcast, sponsored by Cadbury. From grassroots to national level, a supporter and a half of women's football in Ireland. Okay, we're getting down to it now, guys. We're about uh, less than 24 hours away from kickoff for the Republic of Ireland's first ever Women's World Cup game against hosts Australia in the Accor Stadium in Sydney. Doesn't get much bigger than this, so I'm delighted to be joined, as usual, by Anthony Pine and by his press pack buddy, Emma Duffy of the 42. How are you, Emma? I'm good, Mikey. How are you? You keeping well? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad at all. Anthony, you okay? Yeah, all good, all good. Over a busy day, keep us on our toes. Yeah, yeah, it has been a busy day. We had the press conferences earlier. Um, it was interesting the press conferences. They the the Ireland one was pretty pretty snappy. Uh, probably about fifteen sixteen minutes and it was over. The Australian one seemed to be uh more like the director's cut. It went on a little bit. Um, a lot of the questions for Sam Kerr and Tony Gustafson were Gustafson were along the lines of legacy and you know. Paul Rowan of the Sunday Times asked, you need to win this tournament for there to be a legacy, which <laughs> seemed a little on the nose. Um, so, Emma, the, there is, you know, obviously the rankings, form lines, everything suggests, even, leave aside our good result against them in a friendly a few years ago, like we're up against it tomorrow. And I suppose one thing Irish fans are clutching onto is that perhaps the occasion could get to the Australians. What kind of sense did you get from Sam Kerr and Tony Gustafson? Do you think they're... They're um they're keeping their heads pretty well. Yeah, I think so. Sam Kerr spoke pretty confidently in the press conference. Um, same as Gustafsson. Um, yeah, I think they're really up for this, and you know they seem to be carrying the weight of being the host nation quite well. Um, I suppose we we won't really know for sure until tomorrow night. Um, but their build up has seemed to have been really really positive. Um, even you just you feel the hype here in Sydney. Um, I know myself and Anthony were both in in Brisbane, uh, at Ireland's base camp, and it was just in in Brisbane in general. It was a little bit more quiet, whereas Sydney there is a kind of palpable hype here. Um, and you know it's clear to see how much support is behind the team and I got that definitely myself from watching the Matilda's documentary on Disney plus um, so yeah I think they're they're pretty confident in in what they're going out to do um, I suppose they've had some big results in the last few months uh, a win over England in a friendly win over France last week in front of a record crowd and um, which will hopefully be blown out of the water now tomorrow night um, as in the crowd, I mean. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think they seem to be carrying that weight well so far. But what does it matter unless they do it on the pitch? So time yeah. will tell. Um, I was looking back at it, Anthony. I was thinking, yeah, def- you know, hosts, you know, first game, kind of play on their minds. Now, eight, eight Women's World Cups so far, only one host, Sweden, has managed to lose their first game. Uh, China did beat... Denmark 3-2 in 2007, but it wasn't the first game. Um, and since the Men's World Cup has moved to the host playing the first game in 2006, only our friends in Qatar have managed to lose as hosts. And they were, you know, historically the worst, uh, the worst ranked host team of all time. Even South Africa managed to draw against Mexico. So hosts do tend, like we might be thinking the crushing weight on their shoulders, but actually maybe they're being, most hosts are lifted up by the hopes of a nation. And unfortunately for us. <laughs> 
Um, well, I, mean, I think what's a little different here is uh, let's see how many Irish fans are actually in the ground. Like, I mean, if, if it is close to 50-50, and we don't know, you know, we won't get in, we won't know until we get in there, but there's definitely going to be a very considerable um, vocal, colourful Irish support. I think if, if Australia win the game tomorrow, uh, it will be because they're just a better team. I mean, I mean, on paper, they are a better team. We, you know, we have to be, you know, we should, we should not shy away from the magnitude of Ireland's achievement just to be here in the first place. And that, that's not defeatist uh, or sitting on the fence. It's just a fact. Like they, they are a team that has genuine aspirations of going all the way. They absolutely expect to win tomorrow night. I mean, they are confident because they know that they have the better squad. Um, but I, there is an anxiety, I think, among them, Mikey, because it's a game they're expected to win. They expect to win themselves. But they also know they're coming up against a team who are incredibly resilient. They are hard to play against. Ireland are hard to play against. You know, I, I said yesterday, and I, I know I've said this a few times, and I am stating the obvious, the first goal tomorrow is absolutely enormous. Um, because if Ireland get it, I really believe that if Ireland get it, they won't lose. I think they're, they're that type of team. And we have evidence of that. They went to Sweden. I know this is a bigger stage, but, you know, Sweden... Mm -hmm. Australia, I mean, is there much between the, the quality of those two teams? Uh, they nicked the first goal and they really, I mean, look, they were hanging on by their fingertips by the end, but they hung on. They got a point in very, very difficult circumstances. I think that's that's not beyond them tomorrow. But conversely, if Australia get the first goal, it, it could be a long night. It could be a long night. So we're expecting a surprise with the amount of green jerseys in the crowd an early goal and clinging on against a team better than us on paper. So giant stadium 94 is the template we're basically working off of here. Yes, absolutely. Look, I mean, and not just giant stadium, Stuttgart, you know, our, our most famous, yeah. that, that is the template, <laughs> isn't it? That is the template of, of when you think about it. Yeah. Um, the Ireland press conference, um, I thought was was nice. I thought there they, they, there was a good um, tone to both, to both Vera and Katie. Um, just give people a flavour of it if they missed it. Here is Katie McCabe addressing the idea that Ireland go into the game as underdogs. Yeah, it's something, um, as a small nation, you kind of carry that title, I guess. Um, we know, yeah, we are debuts in the tournament. Um, but for us, it's, yeah, we know what we want to, we do. We don't want to just be here to be happy to be here, you know. We want to compete and we want to give Australia, Canada and Nigeria the hardest games possible and making sure we, we do that, obviously, starting tomorrow night. Um, it's going to be exciting. Like I said, we know what Australia have. Um, they've got quality all over the park, but we also know what we can do on the pitch and having played yeah, against Australia two years ago, I'm sure it'll be a very different team um, tomorrow night and the manner in which they've grown as a team as well over the last two years has, has been um yeah, has been has been really good. Um they've got some nice results along the way. Um but also so have we. So we'll be making sure we're fully focused on um yeah, concentrating tomorrow. Ireland are the underdogs. She's embracing that. It's nothing new. Um but at the same time she didn't ham it up. She didn't like she didn't like try and turn this into a scene from Rocky either. Like they're professionals. They think they can win the game. They uh, Ireland expect to win the game if they play as well as they can and the game plan comes off. So I think she struck a, a nice tone there. Yeah, I I think so. And I think that's something that Katie does very, very well. Um and, and all the players for that for that. Um and Vera as well. They're realistic. Um they know what they can achieve and how they can achieve it. Um but they won't 
don't put huge amounts of pressure on themselves publicly. Um, so I do think, yeah, you know, a lot of them have referenced um, some big past results that Anthony has mentioned on, mentioned there as well, Sweden and um, Finland away. Um, obviously then the huge pressure on them for that playoff in, in Hamden. Um, so they have experienced, I suppose, these massive high pressure situations before. This is on another level altogether. But, you know, they've shown they can they can hold their own. They can um, go out and do something special. So it's certainly not beyond their their abilities. Um, I do think, though, just you do have to be realistic about it all as well. Um, you know, it's it, this is going to be absolutely huge. Um, and a result would be on another level. Um, but, you know, it's going to be... A lot of graft, a lot of defending, um, that low block is going to get lower and lower and lower, uh, basking. So Subterranean block. Um, yeah, I, I think so. And you see, that's the issue as well, because, you know, Australia kind of attack with such chaos and they're unpredictable and they love getting it in the wide areas and then trying to feed Sam Kerr. Ireland can very easily get caught on the counter. So we will have to stay defensive, low, compact, all the things that Ireland teams are really good at. Um, but yeah, a massive challenge lies ahead, but it's one they won't shy away from. Um, and I, I do think they're relishing it. Yeah, and, and Anthony, obviously there was, the team flew into Sydney yesterday, uh, this morning, sorry, and they were they were greeted, I think, quite unexpectedly on their behalf by a sea of green. Uh, you were there yourself. Uh, you captured some of it uh, on social media. Um, I, th- I think that was a pleasant surprise for the players and, and like, a nice boost, you know, they're, they're, they're the underdogs, they're the away team, but they probably don't feel very much like that given the amount of support and the how vocal the support is. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. I mean, as Emma referenced earlier, I think that was the first time for them probably it really hit them that this is, a, you know, they're at a World Cup. You know, it was a real a real nice moment. And, um, you know, Vera Pell spoke about it as well, how much they appreciate it and how much it means. And they know the support that they're getting, not, not just here, but at home, I think we've seen sort of images of Rings End and the, the, the bunting and the flags up for Abby Larkin and um, other Milford and Rush and, you know, all, all the hometowns, Kilnaman, all the home areas of the, these players. Um, so, you know, it, it does it does have an impact for them. It means a lot to them and, and they're very proud and um, they won't leave anything out there tomorrow. That You know, we, we know that. We know that. But, you know, it is, as Emma says, like this is this is a huge challenge. I, I thought the most interesting thing, actually, from both press conferences was Gustav and basically brazenly saying, well, we've watched them. We know that the, their weak points are before halftime. Um, well, let's, know, let, 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 let's let the yeah. man say it himself here because I've actually yeah. I've isolated that clip because you highlighted it to me while the press conference was ongoing. Um so let's have a listen there. Not only do we know the starting eleven, we also know the the thoughts we have in terms of game changes and plan for a finishing eleven. Um, we have an idea of what we think this game is going to look like. Um, if you look at the games that Ireland have played as of late against top team, there's no coincidence that have they have been really, really strong in the beginning of both the first and second half. But there's also no coincidence that they have conceded goals late in the halves, um, especially when it comes to to some of the. The tactics on one or two players and one or two behaviors that we have identified uh, that we hope we can strike against tomorrow. I'm not going to say what, but there's a clear trend there uh, that we target. And then um, in terms of the, the roster, it's all about 90 minutes. So again, I just want to 
say how important it is for this team to win games off the bench like we did against France when it was nil-nil and players comes off the bench and, and be game changer for us. So the finishing 11 is as important as the starting 11 for us. And in terms of fitness updates, I, I can't reveal that at this time. I, I know where we're at, but I can't at this time give away too much. I keep it close to my chest for today. Yeah, so Tony Gustafsson, um, he's quite Scandinavian, really. He's kind of blunt. He doesn't, it, there's no false modesty with him. He's kind of said, yeah, we haven't figured out. No me 11, no me subs. And we know we're going to beat mm. him in the second and the fourth quarters because, or even later than that. And let's be honest, if he'd watched Ireland versus France, the first half of that, the first 40 minutes of it, he's saying, eek. And the last five, mm. seven minutes of that second, of that first half, he's probably thinking, aha. So, it is something of a weakness that the way Ireland play, the intensity of their defensive, how well drilled they are, it's very, very difficult to keep it going for 45, 50 minutes continuously. It, uh, yeah, it is. Now, I will say that the France game, there was a very important thing that happened. Katie McCabe went off the pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, she went off the pitch and, and that is when they looked a little more exposed, but only in first half injury time where they conceded two goals. So I think like, I think it's a little bit much. Like he, he, he also said, well, there's one or two individuals we particularly looked at that they're going to try and target. Um, look again, and you know, not to downplay the quality of Australia because they're, they're excellent and they've got some. Not it's not all about Sam Kerr. They have some several very dangerous players and they're very fluid, and they're going to play four four two. But that can easily become a four two four. You know, it it it's it's flexible. Um, you know, it's okay saying well, we're going to target whoever they're looking at. And we don't know exactly. We were sort of speculating among ourselves um, earlier on who we might have been referencing. But if Ireland get it right, you know, as a unit, it's very difficult to target any one individual when the unit works well. So I guess from their point of view, they just have to try and focus on getting their own thing right. And, and as Emma correctly says, the danger from Ireland's point of view is that they, they go too deep and Kate McCabe is, is playing near her own corner flag that's that's a real worry that's a concern because she's our big outball um but look, let's let's stay optimistic because if Ireland get it correct um that game against France should have been nil nil at halftime you know in the end it was it was McCabe going off uh Izzy Atkinson come on just just got caught a little flat footed and then it was a header you know a miscue from header pain it was unlucky you know and then the mm-hmm. second goal was a bit, a bit of a sucker punch like so I, I wouldn't that's not overly indicative of this team that, mm. that particular period that he seemed to be referencing today I don't think yeah well Emma the the, the flip side of it is yeah. he's saying we actually don't we like we know we're going to struggle to break down this team for long periods of this game and we're kind of almost like we're going to rely on the cavalry whether it's Mary Fowler or whoever coming off the bench to try and break this game so in, in the other way of flipping it is that he doesn't have total confidence that his first 11 will break down this Irish team and he's hoping that when the game gets a bit ragged in the closing stages they might get the job done yeah I guess so and and that's one thing that could work in Ireland's favour as well because you know if Ireland can frustrate them and frustrate them and make things dif- difficult, which they do so often for so many teams, um, then it can go right down to the wire and things just don't go as maybe some people had thought. Uh, and, you know, I suppose the crowd as well, obviously when you've up on 75,000, 80,000 people in a stadium uh, and as we say, we're, we're del- deliberating over how many is going to be what the split is going to be but you know if the Australian fans are getting frustrated um, you know 
that kind of spills over then, doesn't it? Um, so, yeah, there's all these different things at play. Um, the one thing is, yeah, this, this Ireland team, are, are they can make life really, really difficult for their opponents, and that's something they'll be targeting doing tomorrow. And just on, on something Anthony said there, um, he mentioned it should have been half or nil-nil at halftime against France. It very easily could have been one-nil Ireland. So <laughs> I suppose we look at that as well. Um, Kira Cruz's goal that night, done for offside in the end, but I think it was a goal. Um, but then again, you know, there weren't very many other chances created that night. So that is another thing as well. An Irish goal, if it comes tomorrow night, will most likely be from a break or from a set piece, which we're so famously known for um so yeah that that's one thing for me anyway like how Ireland are going to score that is a big question just sorry just to add to that because it was similar against the USA you know with Ireland they, they could have mm-hmm. could they have taken the lead it was the header was it was a Caruso's header was 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 it nil all at that point or maybe yes. they're one nil down was no, it, I think it, it was nil, nil all wasn't it so, so this is the yeah. margin yeah, this these are the margins we're talking about. Like, if Ireland go one nil up in either of those games, honestly, like it's a totally different game because uh, even the first, even the goal against the USA, Courtney Brosnan, who's been brilliant, but she was caught out of position um, for the first goal, and then she let mm-hmm. a long sort of speculative uh, punt uh, drift over her head. Again, not like her, you know. So there is always a chance that this completely clicks for Ireland. They do get the first goal and then it, it will be very interesting because what I will say is because we're, we're talking about Ireland being deep and Kate McCabe getting pinned in. However, Australia are loaded with pace. What's the best way to defend against pace? You drop deep. You don't let teams get in behind you. you, you the, the space that the, the, their wide players in particular love to gallop into, if there's no space to run into, what do they do? They start to turn back, play backwards, sideways. I think that is what Ireland will be really looking to do and trying to do. So, listen, this isn't going to be pretty to watch from our, you know, from our, anyone tuning in to expect that maybe Ireland are going to have a go with them. They're not. They're yeah. not. They're yeah. going to try. Any fair weather or um, bandwagon jumpers here could be in for a rude surprise at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. All right. Yeah. This will be, <laughs> let's, let's try and grind this out. And, and that's, that's how they're going to go at it. And that's what's taken them to this point. Love it. Um, so for Ireland to score a goal, Emma, we're going to have to penetrate the Australian defence. And Gustafsson wasn't given much away on the injury front because that's where probably they have their most headaches, I suppose. I think Alana Kennedy came back against France, didn't she? She played well, but you don't know whether there's a reaction. Mm-hmm. They have Claire Hunt, who's quite one of the more inexperienced players in the squad, has come in. And I think the Polkinghorne is kind of their kind of their most experienced defender, isn't she? And she she's the one I guess there's a doubt over. So they're central too in defence is a little bit up in the air. And that's one area of the field where you certainly don't want to have any uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the big talking point um, in in Australia anyway. Um, you know, what what will Gustafsson do? Will he supposed to stick with the, the tried and tested experience duo that has been? But Alana Kennedy obviously only just coming back into the fold now. So, yeah, that could, that could go either way. Otherwise, then I think it's pretty much as you were. I know they picked up injuries the other night against France and um, Yallop I think uh, had a little bit of a knee setback but I, I think the messaging is she's good to go um, 
but when I was watching it in real time I really didn't think she was um but yeah I suppose even just looking at their their squad the the depth they have it's incredible as you say Mary Fowler um with an, an Irish father we have to get that in there um she'd be starting for us she'd be, she made the wrong choice um, that, that says a lot <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and Sam Kerr as well with an Irish yeah. grandfather <laughs> but um yeah you know the likes of Mary Fowler as I say coming off the bench um that just shows it's in the squad and the talent that they have um so yeah it, it's you know it is when you look at their squad and at their setup um it is pretty impressive but um you look at Ireland's as well you have the likes of Katie McCabe Denise O'Sullivan Sinead Farrelly hopping off the team sheet um as world-class talent and I, I'm really excited to see them hopefully lighting it up on a world stage um and showing what they can do. Megan Campbell makes the point in her column Anthony just kind of the, the focus on the flanks here for both both teams obviously like um, mm. you know Australia's game plan is get down the wings and get the ball in the box for Sam Kerr and uh, mm. whoever's playing alongside of Razzo or Ford and um, Ireland obviously best player plays the left left wing back you know <laughs> we've um, we've um, brainwashed a uh, another striker into being the other wing back so like we, we obviously put an emphasis on it but um Megan was making the point that all this emphasis on the flanks could play into Ireland's hands and like leave a little bit of space in the middle of the field for uh, uh, Denise and Sinead, which is kind of an interesting idea that perhaps leaving Ireland's two most creative players with a little bit more space than other teams might do. That could that could work. Oh, well, that that could absolutely work. And like I really like Australia's two middle players, um, likely to be. Kyra Cooney Cross and Katrina Gorey they're two, mm. two excellent players and you know we, we shouldn't actually buy into this idea too much of everything's down the wings because there's creativity coming through the middle as well like Ford mm-hmm. it's very clever that she can drop an interchange there'll be a lot of spinning around and swapping between her and, and the likes of uh, Gorey so now, there, there's threats through the middle too but absolutely as, as Megan says like we have uh, well we will have Denise O'Sullivan Sinead Farley and probably Rusha. Mm. Are we? Are we think? Um, Seems to be the mood music yeah. that is heard at the moment. So, yeah. Potentially three on two, and it was one of the things. If you watch the game against France last, uh, Australia's game against France last week, there were occasions when the two, uh, Gorry and, and Cooney crossed. They just got caught flat. Like they're a, a two and a, a two be a three versus two. You can potentially make hay there. You can play around them, uh, and there could be space. There could be space, and that's our. That will be our big hope. That we can do that, we can catch them on the counter. They love to counter. This this would be a strange game actually, because neither team, uh, both team prefers yeah. to counter. <laughs> like it would start. They both be like a game back. of Gaelic football. <laughs> they both say back and just be like fifty yards of space in the middle of the pitch. It'd be, it's a bit a bit strange. So they might not like if if they have all the ball and Ireland sucked them onto it. They won't necessarily like that either. Mm. You know, so so it could be potentially a, an area where we could expose them if we can counter quick through the middle with those those players and you're looking at Farley. Farley needs a big game tomorrow. You know, her third cap, it's a big night for Sinead Farley. She's 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 really important. We know what Denise O'Sullivan's all about, but uh we need Sinead Farley to to play to her full potential. Um and if she does that, that's a major asset for Ireland. That's actually not something that's really been spoken about too much. Uh, I don't think the Australians have mentioned her at all. Maybe because she just come on the scene so late. But she she could be really important tomorrow night for us. Yeah, like it's worth discussing her briefly and before we finish up because she's 
despite those couple of amazing <laughs> cameos, um, she is still a bit of an unknown quality. But what we've seen is that everybody really likes, you know, she could play on the half turn. She's quick with a pass. She's got great vision. Um, but the unknown quantity is she's so long out of the game uh, through injury and for personal reasons also. Um, so has she got the sea legs? Has she got, you know, is she up to playing three internationals in the space of a week and a half? Kind of like if she is, she's an amazing boon because as Anthony says, not only is she brilliant, she's also a lot of people are just completely unaware of her, which is makes her even better again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big question, Mikey. Um, Obviously, I think it was around the 80th minute against France. She came off struggling with cramps. So you'd hope we won't see that tomorrow night. Um, I know her load has been kind of managed. It was probably hoped that she would get up to 90 um, before the tournament kicked off. So we'll, we'll have to see how things go. But no doubt Vera Pau has a plan. Um, she, she seems to always do. Um, like even that first game against the US, Farley just played an hour and she showed exactly what she can do in that hour. Um, she didn't feature the second game. And then against France, um, yeah, I suppose it was probably a little bit of a mixed bag. I probably expected a little bit more from her against France um, given the impression she made on her first cap. But we know what she can do. We know what she has in her locker. Um, and, and she seems to be just like a really calming influence on the pitch as well. So suppose bring that tomorrow night and um, I know speaking to her after the France game she was a little bit iffy about playing in front of the amount of fans they're going to be playing in front of and she said something along the lines of I, I can't overthink once I start overthinking I'm a disaster and um, so it's about managing that going into the game and hoping that she can she can I suppose show through her play what she can do and um, so yeah as you say managing that load if she can get up to the 90 fantastic um but it is a very intense grueling few days ahead even just with all the travel as well and then you have what three games in 11 days uh, we, we should mention as well emma that the players were late getting to training tonight weren't they because you you nipped across to it they got caught in traffic so there's kind yeah. of yeah there would potentially be a question mark of what why did they travel today and not yesterday you know straight off the plane caught in traffic late to train and not ideal i was just going to say then that that kind of knocks everything off kilter a little bit because their pitch familiarization then was back in stadium australia so hopping from one venue to another um but yeah you'd hope that tomorrow is planned right down to till the second i guess um yeah. and there'll be no such issues yeah, it's, uh, it's, so, it's sorry, Mike. I just no, wanted to say. ask, why is the like what what is the reasoning behind them having their press conference in the stadium they're going to play in, and then not allowing them to train in the stadium where they're playing? It, it just seems to be adding a layer of complication in a very busy metropo- <laughs> metropolis where getting mm. getting around is difficult, and their time is precious. And as you said, the less time sitting on a bus, the better. I I mean I don't actually know if there's an official reason for it. If, if Emma knows. I, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it, nope. it would it, it was uh, it it would have been a lot easier for everyone. I don't know if it's like stadium uh, regulations or the fact that they still t- seem to be kind of getting everything ready there for tomorrow in preparation for you know over mm-hmm. seventy five thousand fans. By the way, 
we got clarification. We finally got clarification on the actual attendance because we've been all sort of saying 80,000. Over 80,000, 80, 80, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's 75, uh, 75, 700 and something. So over 75,000. We had this with Qatar as well, where the, where the attendances were uh, <laughs> in dispute for the first few days. And it's interesting, the Lions... The, the British and Irish Lions rugby team have announced their fixtures for next uh, for a couple of years' time where they're playing in Australia. And one of the games is in the Accor Stadium, and it's listed yeah. again as having an attendance of uh, a capacity of 82,000 or something. But obviously, mm. FIFA brought this down a little bit for right. some reason or other. It, it's it's some place, by the way, isn't it, Emma? It's, we, we had a look at it there. To, uh, okay. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Stadium. Amazing. As a, the, the excitement is building at home here, I can't imagine how it is for you guys there, even if you are fighting tiredness. It's that moment, guys. We're going to go now in a second, so I'm going to I'm going to have to I'm going to have to badge you for a prediction. You're first, Emma, as the guest. Oh, lovely! Thanks. Um, <laughs> I it's a little bit of a head versus heart one for me. Um, my heart says a draw, a one-one, or a, a nil-nil even. Um, my head says. An Australia win, an arrow one, but still an Australia win. So yeah, you're all heart, Emma. Don't worry about it. You're all heart. We'll, we'll, we'll listen to your exactly. First prediction. That's it, Mikey. All heart. <laughs> Anthony, all how about you? <laughs> no, it'll be very tough. I, I think Ireland will will have to settle for a four 0 win. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, now same as Emma. I, I, I think, I think, I, I think. I will say with a heavy heart that I think Ireland will get bet, but I think it will be one nil. I, I think if the reason I say that is that if they go one nil down, nothing will change. Like <laughs> they they won't change. You know, like they'll stay mm. in the low block. They'll continue to do that. So even if they concede, you know, worst case scenario they concede early, I think they will still just remain dogged and hope to, to keep in it and maybe nick a corner or something. So I, one nil to Australia. Okay, uh, one nil to Ireland. Louise Quinn corner header from corner in the I say the twelfth minute there. Um, I haven't got any money on this, so this will be purely bragging rights. Um, Emma and Anthony, I will let you go. I know Anthony has a bit of work left to do. Emma, you're probably very, uh, you're probably all nailed, nailed at this stage, all put away, filed away. No, she's got work to do too. All right, folks, we better get these. I wish. <laughs> let these hardworking correspondents get back to work. Uh, Emma, Anthony, thank you very much. And just a reminder, the game, of course, can be watched on RT2, the RT player and listen to on RT2FM and we'll have a live blog report reaction and everything else on the RT website and the RT app that's the housework done alright guys thanks very much good luck and we'll chat to you tomorrow after the match goodbye a supporter and a half likes shares comments and tweets Cadbury sponsors RTE Soccer Women's World Cup podcast.